number of weeks at uh, the, the role we play and the significance of our lives in our community, in the workplace, amongst our friends, and, and, and that God wants us to be an influence over there. We, we spoke on the very first uh, Sunday in the series, we looked at what it means to be salt and light. And, and we recognized when we talked to, uh, about that subject that, that Jesus said to those who were listening to him, you are, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And he, and, he, and he was pointing to the people who was, were listening to him. He's saying, as you become people of the kingdom and citizens of the kingdom, you will be salt and you'll be light all over. And we focused a little bit on that. And one of the things we wanted us to do as a takeaway from that is to go into Monday and say, well, we, we recognize that's something that God's speaking to us about being salt and light. And then we looked at Steve uh, Bernstein came and, and Steve preached and he spoke about how much our conduct influences people around about us. And we can never ignore the, the influence and the impact of our conduct. And I'm sure like me, there have been times you've been elated at your conduct and the other times you've been disappointed with your conduct. You say, I just blew it then. You come away and you say that. And other times you, they, they, they're really pleased and you say, thank you God for the way that I was able to respond in that situation. And then last week, uh, another Steve, uh, Steve Reed spoke to us uh, about the importance of people. And uh, if we're going to be uh, a godly people, we're going to be salt and light in our community. We need to recognize that people really matter. And we looked a little bit at that last week. And now, the, the last in the series today, I want to talk to you about the fact, and, and to me this is a, is a huge thing if we're going to be salt and light, that your character matters. Character matters. How many of you know that character doesn't, isn't shaped overnight? Any of you ever tried that? You said, Lord, I want to be loving tomorrow. And isn't it amazing when you, as you pray that prayer and say, Lord, I just want to be such a loving person. Isn't it interesting you meet somebody so unloving? Or you say, Lord, uh, Lord, I really want to learn to be such a patient person. And Lord, can you do it by tomorrow? You know, it's, uh, or, or maybe you've been in the situation, you said, Lord, well, I just want to learn to be gentle. And then you find things going on all around you that just provoke you and everything goes in the way that almost wants to prevent you being a gentle person. And it's important for us to realize how much character matters in the kingdom. It's a huge thing, huge thing, character matters. And so I have discovered, as you have discovered, that God will allow us to go through the tests that we need over and over and over again until character is formed and shaped in us. Do you know something about God? He's got all the time in the world. And, and, and that's why when, when, when James writes to the believers who are going through some persecution, what I love about James is he's so practical uh, when it comes to the faith and issues of the faith. And he says, I want to tell you that, that each one of us who are Christ followers need to have the right attitude towards troubles and trials. And he says, consider it all joy. He considered all joy when you face trials of many kinds. And the word that he uses, trials of many kinds, it means this, a rainbow, a plethora of different trials and troubles, from persecution to somebody who's just being difficult, from financial challenges to having much. He said there's going to be a variety of things. And he said the right approach to these kind of things is to be 
joyful, to have an attitude of joy, not because of the thing, but because of what is happening in us because of that. And so that's a little bit of what I want to uh, focus on this morning and draw your attention to this morning is, is the shaping of character in our lives. And, and we're going to look at that in a little bit in the, uh, in the life of Joseph. Um, and you, you know that, uh, that uh, there were kind of three scenarios that played out in the life of Joseph, and I'm going to touch on them, and uh, they, they all begin with a, with a P. So I'm not one of those guys that are into alliteration, but to this morning we're going to be into alliteration. So, and we're going to look at, first of all, uh, Joseph's experience in Potiphar's house. And you remember that uh, in Potiphar's house he had to to deal with it and work through some things. And then, then we discover Joseph moves from part of his house into prison. And in prison, there are lessons that he learns, life lessons, character issues that are built into. And finally, we find Joseph in the palace. Uh, and he's standing before uh, Pharaoh in Egypt in the palace. And there we see how his life, and it's very interesting, how God chooses to use his life for the saving of many people. That, that's one of the, the final verses in Genesis chapter 50, that, that God was at work in all of these things for the saving of many lives. But we've got to look at the journey that he went on to get there. And the things that happened in his journey. I wonder how many of you, you realize this morning our upbringing affects us. The things that have happened in our lives affect us, don't they? And you remember the story of Joseph. I'm not going to read all of that. You can do that. You can read it from Genesis 37. It goes right through, uh, intermittently, right through to the end of Genesis chapter 50. But you remember that Joseph is brought up and he is a spoilt young man. He is the apple of his father's eye. He gets this coat of many colors, which would have, would have said to everybody around, this is my special son. And you remember, his brothers didn't like him very much. They thought he was a bit proud. They thought he was a bit arrogant, and actually he was. <laughs> and you can see that by the way that he, he speaks to them and the way that he relates to them. And, and, and I discovered something about Joseph in his circumstances. He was very blessed. His father cared for him much. He was treated wonderfully. But in that process, he became a proud young man. In that process, because of having all the favor he did, he started treating other people in a way that was unbecoming. The way that he relates to his brothers, the way that he speaks about the fact, one day you guys are all going to bow down before him. And then the Bible says that they were angry with him. They became so angry that they wanted to kill him. And so God begins to work in this young man's life and begins to, to shape his life. Now, there are five words that you will find in Genesis chapter 37 that alert us to what is going on in Joseph's life after his brothers take him, they sell him into slavery, and we find him in Potiphar's house. Here are the five words. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. Let's, let's read that in Genesis. Sorry, it's 39. Uh, now, Joseph had, uh, was taken down to Egypt had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. 
Here, here's something very powerful, and, and, and I want to just draw it out a little bit this morning because it's so important. It says, the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D was with Joseph the Lord. It is speaking about when that word is spelt in capitals in the Old Testament, it's saying the God of covenant was with Joseph. It wasn't just saying the Lord was nearby to him. He's saying the God who is in covenant with his people was with Joseph. And what was happening to Potiphar was because the God of covenant was with Joseph. Remember in Genesis chapter 12, we see these words of covenant that happened between Abraham and God. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to uh, the land that I will show you. And I'll make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. And one of the life lessons Joseph is about to learn, it's because God is with him that he is a blessing to other people. You see, it's, it's one of the first life lessons that Joseph begins to learn as he's in part of his household. One of the, and you'll remember one of the most profound statements that Jesus makes to his disciples just before he is crucified and then after it rises from the dead and ascends to heaven in John chapter 14. And he said, I'll ask the Father and I'll give you, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because he neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you, and he will be in you. And friends, I want to say, even when you find yourself being sold by your brothers, being treated with great injustice, feeling as though God has deserted you, let me say to you this morning, the God of covenant is with you. You see, that is the whole thing of the cross. Jesus said, I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Till I come again, I will be with you. Friends, the reason we are a blessing and that we can be salt and light is because God is with us. And it's because God is with us that we can be salt and light in the world that we live in. And isn't it interesting that the point is being belabored here over and over again in Genesis. Because the Lord was with Joseph, Potiphar's household was being blessed. Verse 5, from the, the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord, L, capital L-O-R-D, blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. Do you remember what God said to Abraham? And you will be a blessing to all nations. And we see now his descendants become a blessing to the nations, even in a situation like that. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. And the blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the fields. In other words, because of Joseph, Potiphar was being blessed. And God is revealing his goodness to this man through Joseph. And you see, the point is this. Wherever God's people are around, they are meant to be a blessing. And we are a blessing to those around about us because of what God has done for us. We are a blessing because we are a 
blessed people. You see, it's not, it's not just that I'm trying to do something. It's not just that I'm trying hard to, to be a certain kind of person. But I bring blessing because I am a blessed person. And the things that hinder me being a blessed person are bad character traits. When I become selfish or I become stubborn and I hold grudges and I'm unforgiving, the very blessing that rests on me is not passed on to others. That we are to love one another as He has loved us. And so Joseph has to, has to learn this life lesson. But then, as things would be, part of a found, a Joseph found himself in quite a dilemma. And the dilemma was called Potiphar's wife. And I want you to just picture this for a minute. He was facing a temptation that just would not go away. Have you ever been in a situation like that? You're just like, Lord, let it go away, and the next day it's back there. And every day that Joseph woke up, and actually it was not his fault, and yet every day that he woke up, he was confronted by a woman who said, I want you to come to bed with me. And Joseph discovered something over there in his response to her. Sometimes the choices we make are costly. Sometimes the choices we make are very costly. And Joseph's refusal to sleep with part of his house, with part of his wife, resulted in him being put into prison. Now, something interesting that you'll notice over here Joseph's ability to resist this temptation is, is told to us. Joseph's ability to resist temptation was because his desire to honor God outweighed the temptation of this woman who was trying to get him into bed. Verse 8 says to us, he, he refused her, her requests. He says to her, with me in charge, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns has been entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you and because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? His desire to honor God far, far outweighs the temptation that he's facing. We spoke earlier on about learning life lessons. Can I share with you one of the life lessons you'll learn? You only learn to resist temptation by resisting temptation. <laughs> you only learn to resist temptation by resisting temptation. You know, it's, I always love you playing the piano, Trevor. Yeah, I'm sure you all enjoyed that this morning, the worship and playing the piano. But you know what? I've been watching, Trevor, you've been here for just over a year now. And you know, I can't play the piano like you yet. Do you know why, Trevor? Because I've never taken time to sit behind the piano and try and play. The point that I'm trying to make is that we grow in character as we learn to respond to what's happening in our lives. I want to ask you a question this morning. What's happening in your life where you believe God wants to grow you in character? What, what's happening right now in your life? 
Is there a difficult person? Is there a difficult circumstance? Is there a challenge? Is there a temptation you're facing? I want to ask you this morning, are you responding to that in joy and you're saying, Lord, I know that you are in, you have your hand on me, and I know, Lord, that you wanting to shape me in this situation so that godliness is shaped in my life. Are you now responding like that? Are you able this morning to sit here and say, I can put my finger, I know exactly <laughs> what God's busy shaping in me. I know exactly what he's working on in my life. But then we find that Joseph is in prison. And we discover a similar pattern begins to unfold as, what, as to what happened in, in, uh, in part of his household. A similar pattern begins to unfold in prison. And chapter 39, verse 20, And Joseph's master took him and put him in prison. The place where the king's prisoners were confined. And, and while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with Joseph. And he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. And so the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. And the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care, because the Lord was with Joseph. And the Lord gave him success in whatever he does. And you remember, while he was in prison, he met two characters that uh, had been serving Pharaoh. The one was the baker, and the other was the cupbearer. The cupbearer was the, the person who would taste the wine before the king drank it. If somebody poisoned the wine, guess who died? <laughs> the the cupbearer. And both of them end up in prison. We're not told why, but Joseph bumps into them in prison. And in that, uh, in that place where he bumps into them, both of them have a dream. And Joseph says, actually, I know somebody who interprets dreams. I know Yahweh. I know the God that I worship. He is able to interpret dreams. Let me, let me ask God, and maybe he's going to give you an interpretation. And so God uh, gives an interpretation to both of them. One's a great interpretation, what everybody wants to hear when you have a dream. The other one was a terrible interpretation, what none of us want to hear when we have a dream. One is going to be put to death. The other one is going to be reinstated. And then Joseph makes a very uh, strong appeal to them. I want you to think about this for a minute. He says, listen, I've been able to help you. I've been able to interpret your dreams. Uh, and and uh, won't you do me a favor? He says, when you are reinstated, won't you remember me before Pharaoh? And guess what happened? He was forgotten. And here's Joseph's next life lesson he learns. Sometimes the people you have served and helped will forget you. But God never forgets his people. God never forgets his people. And Joseph was to learn that lesson because a few years later, another opportunity arise that arises that will result in thousands of people being saved from a massive famine sweeping through Egypt and through Canaan. And the opportunity was to interpret the dream of a very powerful man by the name of Pharaoh. And there's something we mustn't miss as, as Joseph is, is called into the presence of Pharaoh. That God is now, we're speaking about the church at work, we're speaking about being salt and light, that 
God is going to use Joseph to avert a national crisis. I was thinking, who's God raising up for our crisis at the moment that we're facing? But here's been a man who's been in character training for years now. And suddenly Pharaoh has a dream. And the reason Joseph is ready for this moment in time, it's because of how he has navigated all the things that have gone before him. All of those, those, those opportunities when his brothers sold him, when he was in Potiphar's household, when Potiphar's wife uh, tries to get him into bed, when he's in prison, all of those moments, Joseph has been learning those character lessons and those life lessons. And now God says to him, here's your moment, but I know I can trust you with this because character has been formed in you. In Genesis 41, so, Joe, so Pharaoh sent for Joseph. And he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it. But I've heard it said that, that you, when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Here's how I know that character has been formed in Joseph. I cannot do it, says Joseph. But God will give to Pharaoh the answer he desires. Friends, that's called humility. Joseph could have easily said, actually, you know what? <laughs> You're talking to the right guy here today. Do you know what? I actually can do this for you. And what would it have done for Joseph? It would have almost elevated him a little bit. You know, just look at the gifts and the abilities I have. Here's a humble man now. He's learned to be humble in saying, I can't do that. But God, I know God who can. I want you to see this morning because Joseph has been faithful. He's been morally upright as a slave in Potiphar's household. He's been responsible and he's been honest when he's confined to prison. He has learned to be patient when people forget him that he's been a blessing to. And because he's embraced forgiveness when people have wronged him, that he's ready to be salt and light in this situation. I cannot stress this enough this morning. We are a society and we live in a culture. It's all about what you want to get done. And God is saying it's who you are that counts as well. There, 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 there are two lessons I want to leave you with as we look at part of his house this morning. And I hope these will help you in your journey. And the first one is this. Character really matters. been saying that over and over again this morning. It's not only what we are able to do, but who we are that counts. I found many, many people who are excellent, who are very skilled, who are exceptionally gifted, who've made their way and been very successful, but when you begin to look and open the door of character, they fail dismally. And I'll never forget somebody said to me one day, as a pastor, John, you can destroy in five minutes by through your character what's taken five years to build up. And it's through life experiences that our character is built. Through our life experiences in our marriage, our life experiences with our friends, life experiences at work, all over the show. 
There are life experiences that are building character to us, in us. I was listening to um, a sermon during this past week as I was preparing for, for this morning. Uh, and it was a message preached by N.T. Wright, who's one of the great uh, New Testament scholars of the 21st century. And he's talking about this whole issue, the, the subject that, of character matters. And he's saying, he says something uh, quite profound in, in his message. He says that character formation is not automatic. It takes time. And it only happens, and this to me is quite important, as our minds are renewed. Remember that Romans 12 too? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He, say, he puts it like this. He says, as you and I begin to read the Word of God, it begins to shape our view of life and what's important in life. And he says, next time you have to face something, because your mind has been renewed, you start to think through what's the appropriate response in that situation. And I say that today because there are people who will say, no, but I've got the Holy Spirit and God's at work in me. And you know, by the power of the Spirit, I'll automatically be that. Well, I think most of us here know today that the Holy Spirit is at work in us and is powerfully at work in us, but we also need to have our minds renewed in the process. And then he told a very interesting example. He said they, he lives in, in London. And uh, he said they've done some, some uh, evaluations and tests on London taxi drivers. And before you can be a taxi driver in London, you obviously need to know in your head. You need to know the map of London so you can navigate how to get there. Um, Maybe today we've got all Google and we pull out Google, but, but those guys need to know how to get there. They need to know that if there's something that's happening, there's a protest in the street, well, they need to take that route and they can still get to you to your destination. And after they'd done neurological tests on their brains, they discovered through the process of learning and being taxi drivers, certain neurological pathways in their brains were being strengthened and established so that they would automatically know where to go when you said, I need to get to from here to there. It, it was a physiological thing. It was something that they actually tracked as happening in their brains. And the point he made is this. As you and I consistently and regularly respond in the right ways, we are growing and we are being developed. So when you press the panic button, it becomes automatic. And see, our life experiences are training us and shaping us so that we can be salt and light in our society today. There are times where you'll have an opportunity to think through what you're going to do when you respond. There are other times it needs to be automatic. And it's through that regular, ongoing response in the situations we find ourselves, that character is shaped within us. That's the first thing. The second thing and the last thing is this. God is at work in all things. God is at work in all things. I wonder if you've ever thought to yourself in what you've been going through, where in the world 
does God fit in? I wonder if that went through, through Joseph's mind when his brothers sold him into slavery. I wonder how Joseph processed the fact that he'd had two dreams from the Lord and in his dreams he had heard that, that one day your, your brothers will bow down before you and in the second dream even your parents and your brothers will bow down. It meant he was going to have a position of authority and power one day and then he's sold into slavery and he goes in exactly the opposite direction to what God has been saying. And you wonder... Lord, I've given my life to you and I'm following you and I want to obey you. It's like everything's going pear-shaped. And Joseph answers that trick question for us. Let me read to you his answer. He says this when he's face to face with his brothers. When he meets up with them about 13 years later. He says to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, for the saving of many lives. You intended to harm me. And what Joseph is saying is this. Sometimes life brings a curveball, but God is able to take curveballs and turn them into blessings. You see, that's what the cross is all about. Isn't the cross the greatest curveball in all of history? When men crucified him and nailed him to a cross, and the Son of God, they thought, it was over and done. But three days later, he rose from the dead. What God intended for good in Joseph's life was the saving of many lives. I guess it could have been similar to what we're facing. If there were seven years of famine, there were probably seven years of drought. But there was a man who believed in a God who could work all things together for good. I want to say to you this morning, part of the journey for us every time and in every situation is saying this. Lord, I believe, Romans 8 and verse 28, God is at work in all things for the good of them who love Him and are called according to His purposes. And then Romans 8, 29, that most people forget, He tells us what that is, that you and I would be conformed into the likeness of Jesus. You see, we're going to be salt and light. You know what? when that happens? It's when you and I like Jesus. You and I like Jesus. And this morning, my sense is, as we close off now, is just to say to you, what is God busy shaping in your life? Is He teaching you to trust Him? For some of you, that's true. Is He teaching you not to be fearful? And for some of you, that's true. Is he teaching some of you not to be anxious? Because for some of you that's true. Is he teaching you to be generous? Is he teaching you to be gentle? Is he teaching you to be, to have faith? Because you see, God hasn't taken his hand off you. He's with you right now. Where you're walking right now. May I say, I've learned some, personally, some wonderful lessons.
in this. I've learned that when I get squeezed, I get to see what's inside. Isn't that true? You ever been squeezed a little bit and you discover what's inside? And I've discovered that when I'm squeezed, I see what's inside. And the wonderful thing that I've learned is that I can confess that and bring it to the Lord and say, God, you know what? What I see is not great. But I know a God of grace and mercy, and I want to bring it to you, Lord. I want to confess it, and I want to leave it with you. And I can go to God, and I can say, Lord, will you by your Spirit begin to transform me? The great realization I came to many years ago is I can't, but he can. It's one of those amazing lessons that the Apostle Paul learned. He said, the one thing as I've learned that I can do all things through Christ. I've learned the value of repentance. I've learned the importance of the Holy Spirit. I've learned the importance of having my mind renewed. And I've learned the importance of the fact that God is at work in all things for the good of them who love Him. Amen. Let's pray. That uh, reminded again of of the instructions that James gives to us who is passionate about Christians not only knowing the truth but applying the truth to their lives. And his instruction is this, consider it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith will develop perseverance, such a valuable quality for us. And that perseverance will complete its work in us so that we may be mature believers, not lacking in anything in the character departments. I just feel what's so valuable to us this morning is this, to consider it all joy. To have the right response You will know that when you have the wrong response, you can be bitter, you can be controlling, you can be an angry person, you can be full of self-pity. There are many things that will happen if we respond in the wrong way to life's experiences that all of us will face. But through the grace and by the grace of God, you can say, Lord... I respond with joy because I know your hand is on my life. Because I know that you're at work in all things. Because I trust you. And Lord, because I want to be the person you intended me to be. Father, I want to praise you this morning that right in this building, there is gold being shaped and formed. Lord, that you are, you are wanting us to come out as much fine gold. You're wanting, Lord, people, you, you're birthing, Lord, in us uh, character traits that are, are Christ-like. Lord, what a privilege. How much we thank you for that, for what you are doing today. And I pray, Lord, as you build character into us, as we learn to respond in the right way, may we too, be a blessing to the people around us.
May we be a blessing to our families. May we be a blessing to our friends. May we be a blessing to colleagues. May we be a blessing to those that we will mix with and meet up with in our daily routines. Lord, make us a blessing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Shirley, have you got a song for us? Stand as we sing.
prayer straight afterwards. I'm going to remain in the front here. Either prayer for healing or maybe the Lord has spoken to you about something this morning and you're saying, John, just will you pray for me and pray with me this morning? We'd love to do that for you. But let's close in prayer and just trust God for that wonderful blessing that we can pray over our lives. And I want to pray for you this morning that the Lord will bless you. The Lord himself will bless you. The Lord will keep you. The Lord will make his face to shine on you. And the Lord will be gracious to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.